Welcome to the Behind the Wall podcast. Tonight we're feeling 22 while we recap the race weekend at Richmond Raceway. We're going to review the Truck Series playoff field and dive into more breaking news that comes along with Silly Season. We have a Chicky Nuggy-filled interview with JD Motorsports driver Ryan Vargas. We've got some over-under, hot takes, dark horse picks for Bristol, all that and more on the Behind the Wall podcast. Tonight we got uh, Jay and Josh. All right. Let's roll. Hey, this is Steve Everett, and you're listening to my song, Fake It, available everywhere. Now let's get to the show. This is the Behind the Wall podcast brought to you by Behind the Wall Media. I promise they're not drunk. Hey, welcome back to the Behind the Wall podcast. Thank you, Steve Everett, for the music. Uh, they were racing, had a lot of races this past weekend at Richmond Raceway, all of our home track. Uh, some more exciting than the other, but it was good to see cars back on the track at Richmond Raceway. I know all the employees at Richmond Raceway were super pumped to hear the roar of the engines and the smell of burnt rubber and gasoline. Uh, what were y'all thoughts about the race weekend? I loved watching the trucks come back. That was really cool, but... Overall, the racing, and my I think many people have differing opinions, but uh, I thought the racing was really good. In the cup race, we saw a bunch of different leaders. You saw Austin Dillon getting up there leading races uh, or leading some laps and looked like he was going to win some stages, ended up finishing second in both. You had, shoot, both Penske guys up there, Harvick leading for a while. You had a variety of different leaders, and the low downforce package definitely brought better racing to Richmond than what we saw last season. And then Xfinity races, both of them were good. Justin Allgaier dominated. And then truck race was, I think it was more neat than anything. The racing, in my opinion, that was the worst race of the week. But it was just cool to see the trucks back and know that I'm going to be able to see them in the uh, upcoming year. Yeah, I would agree with Josh. Truck race was really cool to see him back on the track. Um, I like the Xfinity doubleheader. Xfinity race was solid. Um, overall, the Cup Series race, I actually um, didn't mind it. Um, it. I definitely see how some people could see it was more of a boring race, but um, I was looking at it from a different perspective, not necessarily from a caution standpoint, but from uh, the standpoint of just uh, the quality of the racing. I mean, it has much improved over the last year's package. We saw at Richmond with the smaller spoiler, feel like there is less of an effect of the weeder and clean and dirty air and stuff like that. Uh, There's much more passing for the weed. It was cool um, to see Austin Dillon get up front. We saw Denny Hammond lead the race. Joey Logano, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski had a great battle for the lead. Um, so it was overall solid race. Um, and I think that we'll look back on this Richmond race and see that it um, probably has some foreshadowing to how we'll expect to see the championship play out. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, the the cup race was super interesting. Uh, we didn't have very many cautions, but there's a lot of action throughout the field. You had drivers surprise people like uh, like Austin Dillon, who came up to the front of the field and led a lot of laps. Uh, he was very surprising in the truck race. It was really cool to see the trucks back on track. Uh, we were able to solidify the playoff field 
You got a lot of a lot of good drivers. Should be a very competitive race for the championship. But let's go ahead and dive in a little bit to the uh, the playoff picture. Josh, why don't you go ahead and take us through the field with that? So yeah, this past weekend, obviously Brad Keselowski won, locked himself into the round of twelve with Kevin Harvick. Denny Hamlin locked himself in at points, and I think fourth through eighth, which contained Logano, Truex, Austin Dillon, Chase Owen, and Bowman. I'd say they're pretty safe going into Bristol, having Bowman uh, eighth in that group at uh, 28 points up, or 27 points up. But then the bottom four in the 12, you got Kyle Busch, Eric Amarola, Kurt Busch, Clint Boyer. Kyle Busch only 18 points to the good. Who would have thought after going from Darlington, a track he's had success at, Richmond, a track he dominated at through the late 2000s and early 2010s. And... uh, Kyle Busch might not make the round of 12, but you got guys like Austin Dillon up there right below the cut line. You got William Byron out by three, Cole Custer out by eight, and then Matt Benedetto and Ryan Blaney surprising a lot of people and out 25 and 27 respectively. Jay, what do you think about this playoff field? It's kind of scattered, and a lot of people's predictions are probably wrong, especially with Blaney out of the round of 16. You know, for sure. Um, I know for people definitely – um, we're thinking that Austin Dillon is going to be eliminated this round, but I'd venture to say he's pretty much advanced at this point. Uh, he can run pretty mediocre at Bristol, and if he finishes the race on the lead lap, he'll probably, um, or even maybe not the lead lap, if he can just secure maybe a top 20 finish, like I said, run mediocre at Bristol, he'll be fine to advance. It's the people that I'm looking at, like Byron. Byron needs to have a really good day. I think he needs some stage points at Bristol. Um I think he can do that. Uh, we'll just have to see. Um, you know, the interesting, the interesting thing about the Benedetto and Blaney is they are pretty much in must-win situations. But, you know, they've both had strong runs at Bristol. Blaney has had strong runs at Bristol. He's good at Bristol. He hasn't won at Bristol. But Benedetto last year almost won at Bristol, finished second. And I think he probably would have won the race um, there. But, you know, that's a discussion for another day. But you know those two peop- those two drivers are definitely candidates. We could see to to get like some kind of walk off win. Like I don't know if y'all remember, um, I think it was 2015 uh, when Kevin Harvick um, got that win at Dover because he was outside the bubble cut line, and mm-hmm. you know something like that. We, I think we could see a walk off win, which I think would be really cool. Um, you see someone like Blaney or, or De Benedetto get a win and advance to the next round. I was really surprised with Ryan Blaney. Uh, Blaney's worst track is Richmond, I think, statistically. Bristol and Richmond both not very strong tracks for him. He seems to just always get in trouble at Bristol as he's leading and gets wrecked by a lap car. But like you said, De Benedetto finished second there last year. And there's such a big points gap there between 14th and 15th. Cole Custer, Matt De Benedetto. Cole Custer, eight points out. De Benedetto, 25 points out. A big gap there. It's going to be hard for Domenedetto and Blaney to overcome that gap. I think they're definitely in must-win situations. And right at the cut line, you got Clint Boyer and William Byron. I think Clint Boyer really excels at a short track, so I think he might be good. Kurt Busch won there a couple years ago. I think it's going to be hard for anybody below the cut line to really get in there unless a Kyle Busch or Eric Almarola has troubles. So, who do you see from the bottom four right now in points making their way in and uh, winning or pointing their way into the round of 12? 
I well, think I, I, I see Matt De Benedetto with his success at Bristol, especially last year during the night race when he almost ended up winning the thing. I think he's got the best shot at making it into the uh, the top 12. Uh, I still believe that Kyle Busch is going to have some kind of misfortune, a wreck. Uh, he's going to have a wreck. It takes him out of the playoffs, and we're going to lose him in the round of 16. But I, I think that if there's anyone below the cut line right now, it, the the one name that sticks out the most is going to be Matt Benedetto, just because he's been so good at uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, I, yeah, I, I just see him and uh, Kyle Busch trading places there, and you know, I could be wrong, but it'd be electric if that happens. You know, honestly, I don't see the bottom four changing that much. Um, Blaney's in a must-win situation, so he's going to have to win. And even though he's been good at Bristol, like Josh mentioned earlier, he's been he's led this race at Bristol many times and gotten an incident or just didn't finish the race strong or for some reason just hasn't been able to close the door. And, you know, he's had a lot of bad luck this year. I don't see them being able to turn around in one race. So as, as much as it sucks for Blaney, because he's honestly had speed all year long, and I feel like he could probably have more wins than he does this year. But I think he's not going to be advancing to the round of 12. De Benedetto is the same story. It's not that Matt isn't good at Bristol, because we know he is. But there's just too much good talent in front of him. And Custer, you know, he's Custer, Custer has been running really well, too. He had a, uh, not a, not, I think he had a top 10, or he at least had a strong finish at Darlington. And same with Richmond. But... It's just too many people running better than Custer, unfortunately. And, you know, regardless of what you thought about Custer, I think everybody pretty much didn't really see him getting a win and into the playoffs. So regardless of whether he makes it the round of 12, Custer's had a great year. And then yeah. the only one I could really see out of the bottom four uh, swapping places would be Byron. Um, I think he – I mean, he's points-wise, he's very close. Um, so only a few positions – uh, he needs to gain on Boyer or, or Kurt Busch or Almirola, and he could get in. So if he can avoid incidents and some things go his way regarding his competitors, he could definitely get in. But, you know, there's so many. We'll talk about a major downfall, though. Ryan Blaney. I mean, he came out. I, I had him up to second at one point in my power rankings. By the way, check them out on yeah. social media every week. Uh, brand new. Uh, but we, he was he was on fire. Then coronavirus happened, and he's just been—he's been off his game the whole season since then. I mean, he's—he's he's had a couple bright spots, but for him to go from possible like dark horse for a championship to almost being out of the playoffs, going uh, almost being out of the playoffs in the first round, and might even swing that way—I think it's going to happen. That's unbelievable. I mean, just just the swing of things. I mean, same with Bowman. I mean, I wouldn't—it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if Bowman was in the same spot. Yeah, Blaney had a, like a really strong start to the season. Uh, ran well pretty much everywhere they went. Daytona, uh, Phoenix, Vegas, and Auto Club. He had a really good shot of winning that. But he won Talladega, and other than that, he really hasn't shown much speed, which sucks because I think if coronavirus didn't happen and there wasn't that break, I think we see teams like you mentioned Alex Bowman, Ryan Blaney, the teams that started the year hot continuing their momentum and bringing fast cars at a racetrack. It just, something fell off there. And I don't know what it was. I think only the teams and uh, drivers can tell you what could have happened. It's just strange to see from a, like a media side of the thing, just the fall off. 
But I think I'm going to agree with Jay. If we're going to see somebody make the round of 12 that's outside right now, I think we look at William Byron. He got his career started with late models at short tracks, and he's ran pretty well at Bristol in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him sneak his way in around a 12. And I think as much as you're going to hate to hear it, Henry, it's uh, I think he's going to knock Clint Boyer out. No, he's not. No, he is not. Clint Boyer is so freaking good at Bristol. And as long, if, if he gets wrecked, yeah, he's going to be out. But if he runs a whole race, he's going to stay in, barring any unfortunate engine blow that could happen. I mean, it's Clint Boyer. Anything could happen. It's he, he is a true wild card. But there there's – I know he's only two, three points above the cut line right now, but there's no way – and I, I say this with confidence – no way – that he's going to be out of the playoffs this early. Maybe it's probably going to be next round, but definitely not round of 16. No shot. And I love Clint. Um, you know, there's one thing I wanted to comment about what Josh was talking about earlier, the fall off with Alex Bowman. If you look through the first four races of the season, especially namely Las Vegas and auto club, Chevy was in, on top of it. And Toyota was terrible. Um, I remember uh, Las Vegas, I think all four Gibbs cars were, you know, putting practice, were practicing and qualifying in like the, the high teens and 20th positions. Um, and Chevy was killing it. Um, I just remember hearing a few comments. Um, I think it was from some of the Frox broadcast or something, but um, right when we restarted the season in May, um, just due to some protocols, Hendrick Motorsports wasn't even sending their crew chiefs to the to you know to the pit shops, the, I mean the, the cup shops during the week. So you got to think that had something to do with the reason why their performance went down. I mean, how do you expect the car to be prepared right when the crew chief isn't even present? Um, so you know, there's little things like that too. Plus, I mean, um, you know, I'm sure during the break, you know, teams like Joe Gibbs Racing and Team Penske were like, hey, we're getting killed. Uh, you know, while we've got all this time off, you need to figure out what we're missing and, you know, try and figure that out. Um, so, it, I don't know if that's the exact reason why. Because, you know, Alex Bowman, his talent didn't go away for sure. But I think something about Chevy just lost a little edge during the break. And they haven't been able to get it back. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. When I When I first heard that, Chad Canals had been to the office or to the race shop in 60, 70 days. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know how he's doing it, but that had to be, and I don't know if that was a, a Canals or what the deal was with that, but why? Why would you Why would you announce that, first of all, why would you think that it's a good idea to stay away from the race shop for that long and expect to have the same results that you're putting up beforehand? Plus, on top of that, plus – They've been running practice, so I mean, it's you could you could maybe get away with not with that if you had two practice sessions to work on the car before the race. But just you know, unloading what you brought and getting to work on in the middle of the race is not going to help your situation at all. Yeah, it's definitely crazy to think about the team leader, pretty much the crew chief, not being able to be there and work on the car. I mean, he's still sharing the ideas. I'm sure they had him on Zoom, sitting on a computer right by the car all day. But it's just mm -hmm. not the same. The crew chief can't get the hands-on that he usually can. 
in the garage, at the race shop, at the track, and be able to put what he thinks in a car. He's got to say, hey, make this adjustment and kind of work like a third party, have somebody in there and uh, make the adjustment. And it could be right, could be wrong. He doesn't know. And that part that he told that dude to make an adjustment on could end up breaking on race day. And it's not his fault. It's the guy who put it on. So I don't know. I wish Hendrick would have sent the crew chiefs to the track or to the garage early in the season because I think that definitely contributes to like the fall off of Hendrick. And it really didn't come back till Chase Elliott started running well at the really the Daytona road course kind of pushed him to start running up front and uh, contending for race wins. But we got Xfinity has one more race until their playoffs begin. But the Truck Series playoffs begin this weekend at Bristol. Uh, Ten truck field this year up from uh, eight trucks last year. Contenders for the championship are Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Austin Hill, Brandon Finger, Brett Moffitt, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, Christian Eckes, Todd Golan, and Tyler Ingram. Which out of those 10 do you all think have the best shot to go out there and win a championship? Mm. Austin Hill has been running strong. You know, I I have been keeping up with the truck series as much as I'd like to. And so I, I feel like I'm not really in the best position to comment on who's been running the best at what tracks. But like I said, Austin Hill, he's been running strong, I know, at the intermediates. Um, so I do you know do you happen to know the schedule they're running as far as who's left in the in the playoffs, what tracks they're going to? Uh first round is Bristol, Las Vegas, Talladega. Second round is Kansas, Texas, Martinsville, and then they end their season with the Cup Series in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, like I said, Austin Hill, he's been running strong. Um, so he's definitely a contender at, like, Kansas, Vegas. Um, but it, I feel like you add in the wild cards like Talladega, and it really opens the door um, for anybody to really get their place in Phoenix. What do you think, Henry? Yeah, I'm. I'd have to go with Grant Enfinger. He's he's shown a lot of strength in the past couple of weeks and throughout the whole season. I, I mean, I think that's the obvious choice for the championship. But I also really like Matt Crafton too. I think he's got a he's got a fair shot at getting to Phoenix, being up in the final four, and then finding a way to stay up at the front. But I mean, if I had to put money on it, it's going to be Grant Enfinger, one hundred percent. Yeah. Last year, Matt Crafton didn't have a win, and he still went out there and won the Truck Series title. But I'm going to go and uh, go with the GMS guy. Hasn't won a race this year. I'm going to go with Brett Moffitt. He uh, won the X or Truck Series champion a couple years ago. Has run outstanding in his Al Motorsports ride uh, in Xfinity. Really outperformed that car. Uh, nobody really knew what would happen in that team. Brett Moffitt came in there and uh, – Definitely proven his talent. But I'm going to get Brett Moffat to win the title. He's run so good. GMS as a whole has run good. They got Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, uh, Brett Moffat, and Tyler Ingram all in the playoffs. And uh, it was cool seeing his teammate for a week, Greg Biffle, go out there. But Brett Moffat's just been very dominant. Super surprised he hasn't won a race. He's just kind of been overshadowed by Sheldon Creed. But I think you go to Phoenix, and he's so good there. And I think it's just going to be – it's going to be hard to beat that 23 truck. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was I was scrolling through Twitter, and I saw this thing that kind of sheds light on one of my questions uh, during the Victory Lane celebration this past weekend. 
um, Brad Keselowski brought out a gong with a Richmond Raceway sticker on it. I had no idea what in the world the gong was. It was weird because, first of all, they couldn't find the, the, the flag for him to do the burnout with. And then he pulls out a gong in victory lane and hits it. I'm like, what in the world is going on? But he just explained it on Twitter. said that last year during his media tour, they showed him uh, a gong that they had in their sales team room and that they would ring it whenever they have a big sale. So he said that when uh, next time he's in victory lane, he wants to he wants to bang the gong. And sure enough, he did. That's pretty cool. But what what, what would y'all say is one of the cooler victory lane celebrations? I don't know. I think you go back and it's probably going to be what a lot of people think. And it's Carl Edwards backflip. It was just so. That's not victory lane though. Oh, I thought you, I was saying in victory in general. Victory, nah, victory lane. lane. Uh, Cole Custer's uh, celebration last year when he won the Stone Cold. Yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration. Slammed the two beers together and then fall off the side of his car. That was pretty electric. And uh, he was fired up. You know, nothing really. Yeah, that comes, was. Nothing really comes to mind. Jim. Nothing really comes to mind when I think about specifically Victory Lane. But one thing I've always thought was cool was the uh, hat, the hat dance, um, mm-hmm. or whatever they call it. But um, I was just remember listening to um, to the Dale Jr. download. They actually had the guy who was in charge of the hat dance for like the longest time. Um, on their podcast, on their show. And they were just talking to him about their experience. And, you know, his sole job was just, all right, look here, take a picture. All right, put this hat on and like kept on going. And I thought that would be, I thought that was really entertaining. They get the fans really involved with that too. I camped in the infield at Darlington and was outside the fence in 2016, just watching victory lane celebrations. And when they're done with all the hats, they go and throw them to the fans. I walked away with a Under Armour one main financial added sitting beside me on my end table right now and uh, got two more hats while I was at it. It was just cool how Elliot Sadler went and handed me one of the hats and crew members just came over and threw the hat to me. It was really cool how they get the fans involved with that whole thing. While it might not like look for much, it's very meaningful for sponsors to get their image out there to show that they're with a race winner. It's really cool how they uh, incorporate the fans with as much as they can in NASCAR. That's what's so unique about the sport and it differs from the uh, every other major sporting league. Yeah, I agree. I think my favorite victory lane celebration is definitely when Michael Waltrip just pops out the, the roof flap just because he was so tall. He literally just stood up in the car and his half his body's hanging out the top of the car from the flap, and that later got outlawed. I have no idea why, but um, going back to what you said, Josh, about the – do what? Didn't, that, didn't like Joey Logano do it recently? He might have. I think he did. I mean, other other drivers should. I don't know. Other drivers have done it. I don't. I don't know. I just know Michael Waltrip was one of the first to do it, just because he was so tall, or he is so tall. But uh, going back to what you said, I was I I was at the Falls of Honor 500 in Atlanta in 2019, and at Atlanta they do one of the cooler things of having the uh, victory lane on the front stretch. Anyone with a ticket can bum rush the gates as soon as the race ends and uh you have people running across the front stretch to get a good spot for victory lane but me and one of my buddies uh actually was ren henry who we had who we've had on the podcast before we got up on the front uh the front front of the fence the uh the the tail of the car was or the 
think it was a nosy car, but anyway, the, 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 the car doesn't really matter too much. But anyways, uh, but it's really cool to see, be around, see the, the crew celebrate, spray the beer, spray the champagne. And, uh, one of the, one of the crew members came up to me after handed me a, uh, uh, just open beer cans. I like, here, take this. So I take, I took it a victory lane beer. Miller light is absolutely iconic. So I, I drank the beer, of course, uh, and grabbed some of the confetti and I still get the beer can and confetti in my car, sitting in my, uh, my glove box just as a memory. But that was something as simple as that, a beer can and some confetti. And that just, that made my day. So I can only imagine how you felt when you get a hat from one of the crew members after a, uh, after the victory lane at Darlington. That's cool that well, they let's go ahead and, uh, the ticket into victory lane. That's definitely unique, yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, we we honestly didn't know it was a thing until uh, until as the race ended and they started to open up the gates and Ren and I were like, they're letting people on the track. Let's get down there. So we just we just took off sprinting down the stairs and we ended up front row. We're rubbing shoulders with the Bear, Mike Helton, uh, Roger Penske. Uh, Joe Logano came to victory lane. I mean, just all the big names in NASCAR, but it was, that was, that's definitely one of the cooler things that Atlanta motor speedway does. Um, it's, it's, it's really hard to beat for free with just a race ticket besides like the big one on the boulevard and the Saturday night concert with Talladega. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into today's interview. Uh, this week we interviewed Ryan Vargas. He drives for the uh, NASCAR Xfinity series for JD Motorsports. He also is an iRacer for, or not an iRacer for, but he does iRacing for the Monday Night League that both of our drivers, Josh Slade and Steve Afont, are in. Josh choked a win for the second week in a row, and Ryan Vargas was there to take the dub. But let's go ahead and jump into today's interview. And on today's interview, we are interviewing Ryan Vargas. Ryan Vargas is an Xfinity driver for JD Motorsports, also races in the Monday Night Racing League with Josh and uh, Steve Offont. Uh, just popped off two back-to-back wins on iRacing. Uh, we're glad to have him on the show today. Ryan, what's up, man? Uh, uh, yeah, no, it was fun doing the iRacing. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so, uh, so why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about your racing roots uh, what got you in racing and how uh, just racing has been in general and how it's been impacting your life uh, in the past couple of years? Yeah, you know, there's not many routes to it. Um, just uh, I was always into cars. I always liked off-road trucks, monster trucks, you know, anything with four wheels and a motor I really loved. And, uh, you know, I tried other sports. I tried baseball, basketball, football, you name it. I tried it. I was terrible. Um, I just really, really enjoyed race cars and being around them and uh so i found out that kids could race and once i did that i just tried my best to convince my family let me do so and uh luckily we did and uh here we are today (laughs) that's sweet so 19 years old from california you're already in the xfinity series racing for uh, jd motorsports on a part-time schedule can you talk a little bit about how how weird it is, I guess. I'm just imagining if I was in an Xfinity car at 19 just because I was in college at the time. But how, how crazy is it to be in an Xfinity car 
at your age being able to compete with some of the Xfinity series best? Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, it really, it's, it's very humbling. Cause I mean, I've, I've said it before in several different, you know, conversations I've had, you know, with other interviews and other people, you know, I, I've been so close to having lost it all in racing. So to have made it this far um, and racing in the Xfinity series is beyond what any of my family or myself really, you know, realistically saw happen. So um, it really does mean a lot. The opportunity that Johnny Davis Motorsports has brought to me and has allowed me to pilot their race cars. It's been really unbelievable. I'm really, really thankful for it. And uh, it's just, it, like I said, it's really humbling to be able to do that and get that experience. I think it's a lot of confidence. Um, you know, I've gone from being kind of like the new guy at the team that to, you know, I know I've only done six races now, but, you know, overall from the last two years, but, you know, I've gone from being the new guy to like, all right, well, I know the team. I know everyone here. I know who I'm working with. Um, you know, there's a little bit more confidence there. You know, when you're working with the people that, you know, when you work alongside these guys and learn who they are, learn what goes into everything, you, you, you gain a lot of respect for what you're doing and you, you know, just get more confidence in it. So I, I really enjoy that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your first start at Iowa. Can you, can you talk about the experience of being able to come through the tunnel at a, at a NASCAR track, being able to be a part of the pre-race ceremonies, walking across the stage, uh, getting into the car, hearing the command start and start your engine what kind of goosebumps were you feeling that day? And was it something that you could explain or uh, replicate in any way? No, I mean, that was, it hit me when I saw my name on the car at the racetrack, you know, it's one thing to see it and, you know, prep for the whole week ahead. But when you're there and, you know, you see your name above the garage style, you see your name on the leaderboard, it, it, it hits you. Um, it was a really cool experience. And, you know, Iowa Speedway is such a good track to me. We ran good there in the K&N series. We ran good there in the Xfinity car. And just kind of being overwhelmed by everything. I shouldn't say overwhelmed, but just, like, taking it all in. That was just really the first time that I was like, wow, like, this is serious. Like, we could actually make this happen. And uh, now, you know, several races later, here we are, and, you know, talking about doing more. So it, it really does mean a lot. I'm in a really good place, and it's just I, I really am just enjoying myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely has its differences, you know, obviously without fans in the stands and, you know, no practice or qualifying. But for me, you know, with the no practice and qualifying, obviously I want the fans back and I want to I want to be able to race in front of a crowd. But, you know, with uh, with no practice and qualifying, yeah, it's it doesn't help me by any means. But I think it kind of helps me in terms of 
not overthinking every race that I do, um, not over adjusting us in practice. You know, instead of having two, two and a half hour practice sessions, we have nothing. We go straight to green. And I think that really helps me out a lot, you know, so I, that I don't overthink it. I just have to go out there and do it. And what you got is what you got. So um, it's definitely a lot to take in right away, but it's, it, it makes you really adjust to having to learn as quick as possible. For sure. So in, in the couple drivers that I've been able to talk to, both in Cup and Xfinity, they've always had something, someone when they were starting out that they were able to look up to and kind of talk to about racing in general and strategy and get tips from. So have you had anyone in the Xfinity series, uh, other drivers that you've been able to talk to and get tips and tricks from that have been extremely helpful to you? Yeah, you know, I've, I've I've definitely been able to lean on my teammates at JD Motorsports, BJ, Jeffrey, Jesse, Colby. Um, they they've all been really helpful to me, and uh, you know, I mean, I talk back and forth with Jeffrey all the time, BJ as well. I mean, they're both very smart, have been been in the sport for quite some time, and uh, you know, they've been to the these tracks several times versus me going to them for my first time. So, um, every race is just a new opportunity for me to learn and. You know, to have a little bit of notes to go off of going into these races definitely helps out a lot. Yeah, you know, there's just there, we got some really cool stuff working in the works right now, and uh, I really cannot say much of anything, but um, other than just kind of stay tuned to what's to come. Um, we got a lot of cool things in the works, and uh, once it's out, it'll be out, and it'll be really, really cool. Now you've you've got me all revved up. Now I'm waiting. I'm I'm on pins and needles, uh, no pun intended, waiting on uh, this news. But so. You're in the iRacing League, Monday Night Racing, with Josh and our other driver, Steve Offont. Uh, you've popped off two back-to-back -back wins, one of them in a, a Goldfish car. You had uh, last night the In-N-Out version car with Ryan Vargas on it. Uh, seemed to always be talking about chicken nuggets. So what 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 has brought you to love chicken nuggets? I know you've got chicken nuggy connoisseur in your bio, but what what is what ignited your love for chicken nuggets? Well, I mean, I, I was... There's a reason why I was almost obese in fourth grade. Um, <laughs> I, I really like chicken nuggets. I eat them way too much. Um, but it's definitely kind of just been now it's become part of my brand. And uh, I'm kind of okay with it. It's, uh, I, I love to eat them. They're one of my favorite snacks. And uh, it's what I lived off of growing up. So uh, definitely I'm glad to take the role of the chicken nugget connoisseur in the sport. All right. So favorite What's your uh, what's your favorite chicken nugget to eat? Like uh, what, from what brand or fast food chain, and what's the preferred sauce to dip your nuggets in, or do you eat them dry? Uh, I go with the McDonald's chicken McNuggets, and I would go with the tangy barbecue. And I know that that sounds crazy because it's the most reduced one, but I mean, you look at a McDonald's chicken McNugget, and it's like that's kind of what you base your idea of a chicken nugget off of. So I mean, it, it's it's the nugget. So that's that's my go-to. Josh, you had something to say? 
yeah, that's, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know, it's pretty tough being that wrong, but I mean, I'll let it slide. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't go wrong with the bar- the McDonald's barbecue sauce, and it, I mean, the the honey mustard's good, but it's it's impossible to it's impossible to, eat, to beat the barbecue. But speaking about barbecue, have you had the opportunity to try the uh, Travis Scott burger from McDonald's? I have not. I'm not. I'm not a fast food guy at all. Um, I just in, indulge in nuggets whenever my diet allows me to. So that's like my cheat meal right there is chicken. <laughs> All right, and back to back to actual racing. Then now we we've gotten the chicken nugget content out of the way. Uh, how is how has I racing been able to help you as a driver and being able to race in these uh, the Monday night uh, league racing? How has that been able to help you as a driver? Uh, do you, do you see something like a uh, type of opportunity like what happened with William Byron coming up with you from uh, from racing i racing as much as you do? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I am not that good on i racing. Um, you know, it's for me. I I have my real life racing to ra- rely on. I do the i racing for fun. For me, it's just like I I can't take it too serious just because. It's so, you know, I'm so, I'm 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 kind of the backwards way. A lot of guys who go from I a lot of guys go from I racing to the real stuff. I went from the real stuff to I racing, so it's kind of hard to shake the habits that you have of the real stuff when you go to I racing because there's so many tips and tricks that you need to learn, you know, when you get into the sim versus in real life. So um, it's two totally different driving styles, and uh, I could tell you that the I racing driving style is one that I have yet to master. <laughs> Uh, so my pick for the Cup Series championship, you're saying? Um, I would say my pick for the championship is um, I would go with Kevin Harvick. I think he'll get his second championship this year. And then I would say my dark horse for this year's championship would be Alex Bowman. I think – I believe – you will see Austin Dillon make the round of eight. Unbelievable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, thank you guys for having me. I love doing interviews and conversations like this. This is always a lot of fun. Why don't you go ahead, uh, real quick, before you finish, uh, go ahead and plug your social media. That way our followers can know where to find you on social media and keep up with you uh, as the season rolls on. Yeah, you guys can follow me on uh, Twitter and TikTok at RyanVargas underscore 23. You could also check me out on Instagram at RTRV23. Uh, you can check out the Rhino Gang brand, which is my line of T-shirts, at uh, RhinoGangBR on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, make sure you check out all that stuff. Follow my team, JD Motorsports, and uh, keep up with my racing. All right. This is our interview with Ryan Fargus, the next big sensation in the Xfinity Series with JD Motorsports. Make sure you go follow him and uh, stay tuned to see uh, how he runs the rest of the season.
And that was our interview with Ryan Vargas. Make sure you go follow him on all social media and stay tuned on what he has to do for the rest of the year. I know he's going to do some great things in the Xfinity series and just NASCAR in general, but uh, let's uh, let's do a little over-under. You guys down for that? I won last week. I'm going to do it again this week. Uh, last week was a fluke. I mean, he was he was off the week before and just didn't have enough time to prepare. He's a little just worried about homework. So, I mean, this is probably the best. This is your best shot at actually beating Jay. Let's do it. All right, well, this week is uh, Bristol-themed since we're going to uh, the world's last coliseum. So, it should, be, it should be a good one. No cheating, Josh. I will fire you. I'm not even going to suspend you. I will fire you. Who? You don't got to worry about that. He was supposed to be suspended. I let him off the hook. All right. Over under number one, the front stretch at Bristol is over or under 575 feet. Under. Over. What did you say, Josh? Over. Correct answer is over. Mm. the The front and back stretch at Bristol is 600 feet. Total total distance of the track is five point or point five three three miles. All right, over under number two, Josh, you've got the lead with one. Bristol has a total capacity of over or under one hundred sixty five thousand seats. Over. Under. Correct answer is under one hundred sixty two thousand. Gosh. Josh is on fire. Just hand me a trophy. Come on. Two to zero. The original construction cost for Bristol was over or under one million dollars. Over. Under. Josh may sweep this thing. Gosh. Total total cost originally was six hundred thousand dollars. I keep forgetting that they built it in like sixties. Yeah, I was like, there's no way that was a million dollars back in the day. It was, it was built in a eighteen twenty two. Okay, sure. It was was built in 1775. That's actually where they ended the Revolutionary War. They had a uh, (laughs) they had a duel in the in the infield of Bristol. They had gladiator battles. That's why it's the last great Coliseum. Yeah, Julius Caesar fought there. Can we get a fact check on this, Jamie? Please fact check. (laughs) You can uh, you can check out all the fact checks at my website where uh, we're going to be fact checking checking this whole debate. So make sure you uh, just go check out our website, please. Please donate. That sound familiar? No. I know Jay feels that way. All right, uh, Josh, you already won, but uh, we'll go ahead and just finish it out just so we can see if you'll end up sweeping Jay. Uh, The fastest lap at Bristol was over or under 12.8 seconds. Under. Under. You guys are both correct. Fastest lap at Bristol was 12.742. run by uh, Brian Gerster 2011 in the Must See Racing Extreme Speed Classic. What kind of car is that? <laughs> I have no idea. That was fast. I think the, the fastest uh, race time was uh, like 13 and a half seconds. Basically what uh, what Justin Brooks runs with no setup on NASCAR Heat 2. I heard he runs it with his toes. <laughs> yeah, he, he runs it while he's on the phone with... Uh, with uh, Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon's sister? <laughs> yeah. 
All right, that final over-under for the day. Uh, yeah, Josh, you can still sweep them. I guess we won't really count that one since you guys are both right. Uh, there have been over or under two football games played at Bristol. Over. Under. Holy cow. Josh Slate has swept Jay Young. Let's do it. There have been three football games at Bristol. One, The first one in 1961, Philadelphia Eagles versus the Redskins. The Eagles beat. Jo- oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to cancel myself. The Washington football team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I apologize. Hey, I'm hey, really hey, – I, I am sorry, guys. Somebody's uh, the, not the, woke. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I'm suspending myself. Um, the Philadelphia fun? Eagles – the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Washington football team 17-10 to 10 in front of attendance of uh, 8,500 people. Uh, 2016 Tennessee Volunteers versus the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokies lost per usual because they're a terrible team. Uh, that was in front of an attendance of 156,990 people. And September 17th, 2016, the ETSU Buccaneers beat the Western Carolina Catamounts. It's a SOCON game. There are 14,000 people there, basically. Josh, that was a uh, that was, that was a butt whooping. Yeah, that was nice. I I like doing this Bristol stuff. So uh, if we can do Bristol trivia every week, I think we'll be set. I threw Josh. A yeah, bone. you could probably. What? I was throwing Josh a bone. I just you know wanted to tie things up in the overall standings just to make things interesting. That's true. Well, we we could have uh, where, where are they at next week? Las Vegas. Yep. Texas. Las yep. Vegas. Las Vegas. All right. Well, uh, we we may have some Las Vegas trivia, but it could have nothing or not trivia uh, over under. But it could have nothing to do with the track. R.I.P. Trivia. It's it's coming back at some point. All right. We were uh, Jay. You weren't here for this, but Josh and I were talking. Josh was trying to to Nick's retweet or uh, the Nick's over under for the night and do a retweet or mute because he hates it apparently, which hurts I mean, my honestly, feelings. I feel like I liked trivia better than over and under. I don't know. I, it's kind of close for me. They're kind of like on the same level. Retweet or mute. Of hate. But uh, we can have this conversation when we're not recorded. So uh, let's go on to some dark horses. I just, I just want to bust bust your balls for a little bit more. I'm What's enjoying this. <laughs> I, especially since you – I mean, li- listen, listen. We had – we poured a lot of money into sponsoring the Monday Night League racing. Yeah, let's talk about Monday last night. League race last night. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, so we poured thousands of dollars into that race. So we could put our brand name on the race, and we had two cars in the field. Do you know how expensive those cars are? And to put our logo on the cars and to have that much exposure in the race, and not just you, but Steve, too, could not keep it off the wall. And, it was like and you guys were, were just had a magnet on the wall. Look, we bought those trucks from Kyle Busch. Do you know how expensive those are? I know it's a it's a lot of money and uh it sucks to let sponsors down, you know. Sponsor funding's really important in my racing career. Um going to a couple more races scheduled this year. Definitely need the funding, so glad I got y'all signed for the rest of this season. But next season's not looking too great, so I need to uh pick up the pace because I need these sponsor dollars. Look, yeah, I hope I hope you realize that there's a, a disappointment clause in the contract that if you disappoint me enough, I will cut your funding. And I'm I'm pretty sure 
you've got you've got this weekend or next Monday night to figure it out. If you don't, if you disappoint me again, I'm pulling your sponsorship, and uh, your sponsorship. Steve can keep his because Steve's awesome. Uh, Steve doesn't disappoint me as much because he stays in his lane. But uh, if you disappoint me again, I'm sending your sponsorship to Ross Corlett. And I know Ross, you're listening, so just hit me up. I'll give you a logo. You can throw it on your car and uh, whatever league you're in. But uh, Josh, don't seriously, don't disappoint me. Hey, what? Yeah. This is this is this is getting old. You're you're gonna be an Angela Ruck equipment next year if you don't if you don't perform i will say this in a couple of weeks monday night racing's uh championship race indianapolis uh 150 laps around indianapolis and indy cars kyle bush has entered into the race uh two weeks from last well i need to find the date of that race but uh big race september 28th yeah, September 28th is the date of that race. Kyle Busch has entered, so uh, definitely tune in on Podium Esports at 8 o'clock. I swear to God, if you wreck that car, because we already bought him from Ganassi, and Ganassi's even more expensive than Kyle Busch Motorsports. Yeah, that's a uh, look at pricing for Ganassi cars versus like AJ Foyt Racing and Penske. Uh, wish we would have got a Penske car, but. Hopefully, I can find some speed with Ganassi. He's been working side by side with Jimmy Johnson, getting IndyCar prep. He raced there. Listen, dude, you, you don't even know we we put together for you. First of all, the cars themselves to lease them for one race for both you and Steve cost Jay and I four hundred eighty-two million dollars. Well, it's very expensive. Second of all, with that deal, it was originally four hundred eighty-two million dollars, but the extra money that was because we got you. Uh, both driving lessons in the Indy cars with Jimmy Johnson. No autographs allowed, but you, uh, we're putting a lot of money into this, and I would be, I'm, I'm going to be upset if you wreck those cars. Yeah, that better be the cleanest race of your life. But uh, going out there, there's a prize for winning. I think the champion gets a big green egg. Mark D'Amico races in the league occasionally, owner of Big Green Egg, and. Uh, Carlisle Tools uh, works with Napa and sponsors Ron Caps is giving away the uh, the tool trays. So it's like the thing where you lay under your car and it's a cart and it's got the tool tray uh, clicked onto it. So a lot of cool stuff in the works for the next coming weeks on uh, Monday Night Racing. Looking forward to keeping it clean, going out there, winning some races, you know, the usual. Yeah, in all seriousness, we are – Super pleased with Josh and Steve. They both do a very good job racing and uh, promoting our brand on these races. Uh, we do like to bust his chops just because it's fun. I know Jay enjoys it as much as I do, but uh, make sure, yeah, you go check out Monday Night uh, Monday Night Racing League. Uh, all their, uh, the rest of the races, uh, they'll be on Podium Esports for the rest of the season. Flat Out Racing did a fantastic job at covering. Gave us a lot of quality airtime. Even if we were, uh, or I, I wasn't doing it because I don't race, but uh, even jo getting Josh and Steve uh, bouncing off the inside wall multiple times or wrecking from the lead. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into Dark Horse and Hot Takes for Bristol, the uh, Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol. We'll start with uh, Mr. Sweep, Josh Slate. Dark Horse, I think, is going to be pretty easy this week. I'm going to go with Christopher Bell. Yeah, he said in an interview last week, I think it was, that the low downforce package really helps him coming from Xfinity last year, which has low downforce. So I'm going to say Christopher Bell goes out there, has a stellar night. The 95 car ran well last year, 
almost got the win with Matt DiBenedetto, I think. Christopher Bell's going to do the same. And then, hot take. I haven't really thought much about it, but uh, I think last week my hot take was very wrong. I said something about the action picking up at uh, Richmond with the low downforce. But um, Bristol hot take is kind of tough, but I think it kind of goes with my dark horse. I think we're going to see a winner from outside the playoffs go out there and win it. What you got for us, Jay? You know, dark horse, um, it's obviously a savvy pick to go with the Benedetto, but um, I'm going to stray away from that because, um, in my opinion, I think a real dark horse is going to be somebody outside of the playoff field. Um, and, you know, I think, honestly, Bubba Wallace is a good dark horse this week. He's had strong runs at Bristol. Bristol is a place where Feel like more people are on an equal playing field. There's more opportunity for uh, passing and stuff like that. So Bubba Wallace, I think we should uh, keep an eye on him this week. He's actually led laps at Bristol before and has had a strong car before. As far as a hot take goes, um, you know, I'll, I'll just go with it's a hot take, man. Um, I think the Benedetto pulls the walk off. Um, I was a little disappointed with his performance in the spring, but I think that he can get it done in the fall, having another race up there under his belt, especially with his new team. And I don't see why he can't win it. That's that's a uh, that's a solid dark take and hot or dark horse and hot take there. Um, my dark horse for the night race is going to be Clint Boyer. Not just running well, but I think he, he has a very good shot at, in, uh, to actually win this thing, surprise everyone, solidify his uh, his stay in the playoffs. Gonna, he'll move on to the next round. Uh, hot take for the weekend, though. Uh, I think we're going to have a flip-flop here in the playoffs on the bubble. Two drivers out will be in. Two drivers in will be out. You know, one, one of them is going to be Kyle Busch. Uh, other ones, to be determined, I think, we're gonna see William Byron and uh, and uh, Matt DiBenedetto take themselves out of the uh, the cut or above the cut line. We'll uh, yeah, so we'll have a two for two for swap there. But uh, thanks again, everyone, for coming in and listening this week. Make sure you go follow us on all our social media sites. Go check out our website. Uh, we got some fun blog posts coming, and uh, make sure you stay tuned for future interviews. Want to go ahead. And Thank Ryan Vargas once again for coming out and uh, letting us pick his brain for a little bit. It was a fun interview. Uh, make sure you go follow him on social media. Follow follow all of us on social media. Uh, should be too hard to find on the Behind the Wall Twitter. But uh, enjoy the race this weekend. Enjoy the chaos, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>